Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Well, good morning, everyone. So happy to be here with you and to see you all this morning to everyone online. I am so excited about what God has been doing in our midst, how he's been working in our church. He's really um, just been the good shepherd tending his flock. He's been healing us. So this Healthy Heart series is just right in the flow, and I'm so happy that we're doing this and that we're doing what God has called us to do right now. You may have read in our um, Bible reading plan this morning, we read this verse, who may stand in his holy place, who he who has clean hands and a pure heart. And um, that is such a key, to have a pure heart, to have a healthy heart. That is such a key for us to have intimacy, to be, to be near him, to stand in his holy place, who may ascend the hill of the Lord. And so I just... Um, I'm so grateful that we're learning about this. We need to, to, and my goal this morning is to teach you about ungodly beliefs because understanding this is an awesome key for you to have a healthy heart. And so um, here we go this morning. Well, a little quiz before we get started. This healing and restoration is a topic that if you've been around New Day very long, every couple of years we talk about it again. So if you've been around for a while, who can tell me what an ungodly belief is? Anyone? Raise your hand. Come on, don't be shy. I've got, I see a hand in the back. Good job, Emily. A lie from the enemy, she said. Anybody else want to add? Chrissy? Truth opposite from God. Ooh, I like the way you guys are wording it. This is great. Okay, Romans 12, 2 says, do, Paul is saying, do not be conformed to this world. You could think about it like this. Do not be conformed to your world. Okay, we've all been born into families with certain challenges. From the moment we enter this world, bits and pieces of information and impressions come together to form our beliefs and our expectations. We subconsciously form opinions and make conclusions. An ungodly belief can develop over time, and it seems reasonable and true based on the facts and the experience of our life. But Paul is saying, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. He's saying, you don't have to stay that way. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So one of the keys to transformation is renewing what we believe. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul's saying, you can change. And when you change your life, it's going to show people what God's best idea was when he formed you. What his perfect will was for you when he formed you in your mother's womb. So an ungodly belief, simply put, is anything we've come to believe that God doesn't believe, okay? It can be a belief about ourselves, my life doesn't matter, I'm alone, I can't learn to hear God's voice, no one loves me. It can be a belief about others, people are incompetent, 
People will take advantage of me. Everybody's judging me. It could be a belief about God. God doesn't care. God is distant. God's just waiting for me to make a mess up so he can bring the hammer down hard on me. God's unfair. God easily gets angry with me. Okay, these are all lies we could believe. Or it could be about a place or a group. So you could have um, a belief about doctors in general or churches in general or pastors in general or a belief about a certain race or a certain um, you know, school or teachers are this way. They are unfair. You can have these beliefs. So the thing is that they are not in agreement with God's word, his nature, or his character. But they affect our behavior, our expectations. They affect our decisions. They affect our relationships. And so it's so important that we get heart smart. I want us to be heart smart in this church so that we understand what's going on. We can partner with God. He wants to heal us. He wants to make us whole in every way, spirit, soul, and body. He's making us completely whole. First Thessalonians 5.23 tells us that. He's at work to sanctify you, to make you like Jesus, and that includes being like him in here and in here. All right, so I am going to use several passages today from our Bible in One Year reading plan. And incidentally, if you haven't started reading the Bible with us, we're, we're going through the whole Bible in one year, and you can start at any time. Information is on the spinning display in the foyer. So you can start today, February 20th. Guess what? That just means you'll finish on February 19th in 2023. But you just flip to today's date and start reading. It's been so good, and don't miss out on reading with us this year. But we read um, about Moses. How many of you remember reading about Moses in Exodus 3 a few weeks ago? Okay, remember at the burning bush, what were some ungodly beliefs? God's calling Moses. I want to set my people free, and I've called you to, to be the guy to go do it. What were some ungodly beliefs that Moses had? Do you remember? I can't talk good, yeah. What if they don't listen? They're not going to listen to me. Yeah. Who am I that I should go? He said, no one will listen to me. He said, I'm disqualified for this, this call because I'm not eloquent. Okay? Um, believing these things holds us back in every area of life. Okay? So let's say you believe you're not well cared for. Okay, maybe there was an instance growing up when your parents didn't care well for you during a significant event in your childhood. Whether it was intentional or not, that's not the point. But let's say you started believing, I'm not well cared for. And then it's going to affect everything. It's going to affect, um, you're going to think, I'm not well cared for at church. I'm not well cared for at work. I'm not well cared for by God. It's going to affect everything. So what the enemy does when we have a difficult a trauma, anything difficult that we go through, he comes in with a lie that seems true based on the circumstance. He shoots a little arrow our way 
Psalm 91 talks about the arrow that flies by day. And Jesus called Satan the father of lies. He is shooting lies. So when difficult things happen, the enemy tries to fire an arrow into our hearts. And Satan would have you keep it there the rest of your life to always frustrate your relationships, to always frustrate your work environment, your forward progress, your self-worth, your ability to trust God, the list goes on and on. But that's what he does, and that's what he wants to do. So ungodly beliefs, to kind of give you some analogies to help you understand what it's like and how it affects us, Ungodly beliefs become a lens that we see life through, okay? You guys look a certain way right now, but when I put my sunglasses on, oh my goodness, you look completely different. You look so dark, I can't make out many details in your face anymore. Just the whole room is completely different. Anything, when we have an ungodly belief, the lens we're looking through, anything that supports our ungodly belief will be highlighted to us. Anything that disproves our ungodly belief is unseen. So if I believe Julie doesn't like me, I will see her walk away from me and and not really give me any attention I will not see that she smiled when she walked in. I won't remember that she waved or tried to give me a hug. I will not remember because I already believe that. It's crazy how this works, but it really does. It's, it's such a filter. Okay, ungodly beliefs build a maze that all of life must weave through. All of life has to filter through this maze of the ungodly belief, it just complicates it. It makes life so much more complicated. Ungodly beliefs are like a shackle that weigh you down, inhibiting your forward motion. We worshiped about this this morning. (laughs) Break every chain. You know, we are called to run the race marked out for us. We're trying to drag along a ball and chain while we're going. It's not how it's supposed to be. They weigh us down. And the last analogy I want to give you as you're thinking about this, ungodly beliefs live in a wound. They live in a wound, and it's a wound that we always have to coddle because it hurts. If I have a big gaping wound in my side, like this gentleman here, I wonder what's going on with him. Um... If Kathy bumps me, ow, I'm going to react. I'm going to freak out. I'm going to get angry. I'm going to have a reaction. If I'm healthy and she bumps me, I won't even notice. I won't know that I've been bumped. Does that make sense? God would have you healed. The enemy wants that arrow in for the rest of your life. God would have you healed. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall set you free. His truth pierces us like a blade. It comes in, 
removes that arrow, cuts it out, and it heals. It brings freedom. His truth can live in that place where the lie once lived. Here's a passage we recently read from Exodus 3. And I love this passage because it beautifully depicts how God feels about our pain, how he handles it, and how he heals the ungodly beliefs and the circumstances surrounding, surrounding the origin. Okay. God said, I have taken a good long look at the affliction of my people in Egypt. Now, Egypt is always going to represent bondage, you know, like bondage to an ungodly belief, anywhere we're not free. Taking a good look at the affliction of my people in Egypt, I have heard their cries for deliverance from their slave masters. I know all about their pain. And now I have come down to help them, pry them loose from the grip of Egypt, get them out of that country, and bring them to a good land with wide open spaces, lush with milk and honey. That is how God responds to our pain, the circumstances surrounding how those ungodly beliefs formed. He sees the slavery that we're under from them, and he comes. All right, let's look at an example that we read back in January from Genesis 21. In fact, you can turn there if you have your Bibles. And we are going to look at the story of Ishmael. When I read this, I just felt like God just was like, boom, this is healing and restoration right here, this story. Okay, so turn to Genesis 21. Okay, so, so Sarah is upset because Ishmael has made fun of and mocked her son Isaac. And so she says to Abraham, get rid of him, send him away, send Hagar away. Now, I share this example not to judge Sarah or Abraham or God. As I said, I want to make this clear. H&R is not about judging your parents. You may need to forgive them, though or anyone else who contributed to the circumstance, but it's not about that. I share this with you um, so you can see an example of how this works. Okay, so we're going to put ourselves in Ishmael's place. I'm going to start reading in verse 11. So Sarah has asked Abraham to send Ishmael away. This matter greatly distressed Abraham because it concerned his son. But God said to Abraham, don't be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation too, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy she went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. 
And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Now put yourself in Ishmael's place. Abandoned by your father, abandoned by your mother, you're thirsting to death. You're hot in the desert. She leaves you under a bush and walks away. How is Ishmael feeling? How do you think he might be feeling? Yeah, I'm going to die. I'm alone. Deepest despair, probably. But what was the truth? What was the higher truth? That was his circumstance. What was the higher truth? God had a plan to make him into a great nation before he ever knew he even had a problem. God heard him crying. God sent an angel to Hagar, lift him up, take him by the hand. I have plans and a future for him. I'm going to make him into a great nation. God helped her see from his perspective. She was able to see what he saw, a well of water. I will supply your needs. Gives the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. And that is the truth. He was not abandoned by his father God. He was not abandoned. It says here he lived in the desert. He had a place. He wasn't roaming anymore. He became an archer. He had a skill. He had a profession. He got a wife. He was blessed with a family and a future. Isn't this beautiful? This is how God takes our situations and heals them. When our situations become full of God's truth and God's perspective, it changes everything. We're not filled with the despair that the enemy would love for us to only be able to see. So here is a helpful way to state the dynamic that happens. And this is something that cognitive behavioral therapy actually uses. But all of this is already in the Bible. Um, but how they help people overcome things is very helpful. And so I'm going to actually share with you some of the wording that they use. Okay, <clears throat> so here's the dynamic. You have some sort of negative thought or we would call it, as I'm calling it, ungodly belief. A negative thought will create an upset feeling. Upset feeling will create an unhelpful behavior. An unhelpful behavior reinforces the negative thoughts, and the cycle goes round and round. And the more we go over that cycle, over the years of our life, the more this becomes automatic, just a part of who we are. So for example, let's say someone's negative thought was, I'm only as valuable as my success in a particular sport or the grade I get in school, or I'm only as valuable as my physical appearance. 
Okay, so maybe their upset feelings could be um, striving, stressed, feeling like falling short and have to try harder, guilty for needing approval, maybe. And then maybe this could produce unhelpful behaviors um, where they're overly seeking and needing approval and validation from others. They're performance-oriented. Um, and maybe the experience that it, c- it could come from many experiences, but maybe one was that they only got attention and love pertaining to how they looked or their success. So they, they learned this lie. But the beautiful thing is when, when this person would come to the Lord and hear his truth and be healed, they would hear him say, you are more than your success. You're more than your physical beauty or appearance. You're more than your grade. Your identity is found in me, not in what others said or what others saw as valuable. You are important, worth giving time and attention to. Your identity is firm in Christ. That person leaves feeling cared for and seen and approved of. The healing is so beautiful. So um, I'm going to give you a few more examples because I want you to really understand how this works and get good at seeing it in your own life, maybe helping a friend see it in their life. So here's a couple more examples. The negative um, feeling, I will always be let down in friendships. All friendships are painful. This could be something that someone believes. And um, so they, they're feeling sad. They're feeling lonely. They're kind of feeling hopeless. They, they keep a distance. Um, and um, if it, let's say it was a female who believed that, she might find it hard to make friendships with other women and be very apprehensive to invest too deeply. And maybe what happened was when she was young, she um, like had a falling out with her first best friend or it didn't go well or the friend moved away and she never got to have closure, whatever it might be, that wound was there and the enemy planted that lie. And the beautiful thing is that person can be healed and hear the truth that, yeah, people are human. They're going to, friends are going to make mistakes, but I am a friend who sticks closer than a brother. My, you know, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, not proud or rude or self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. You have the opportunity to be that kind of friend, extend grace and forgiveness and true love. And um, wow person receives that, they, are, they receive healing, that lens is removed, and now all of a sudden they go, oh, I actually have a really good friend that I've had for 20 years. And, and they're actually free to enjoy that friendship because they received healing. Is this making sense? You guys tracking? Yeah. Okay. Give me some nods. Give me some, give me some, give me some feedback. Okay, here's another, another one. Let's, I'm going to, because sometimes you notice the unhelpful behavior. So let's say a man has an unhelpful behavior in their life where 
they are passive. They're not taking risks. They're not stepping up when people need them. They're not leading when the situation calls for it. They're just, they're being passive. And their upset feelings might be, they just feel like deflated, defeated. And maybe the ungodly belief is, um, I don't have what it takes. What's well, better not to try than have everyone see me fail. Maybe that came from they were the lead on a big project at work and it failed. So they never want to do that again. Or maybe as a kid, they um, were up to bat at a big game and struck out and lost the game for the team. Could come from anything. But that man comes before the Lord and brings his situation and hears the Lord say, um, though a, a righteous man falls seven times, the Lord will lift him up. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That man can be transformed. He can live the life God's called him to live. Let's say someone believes the lie. They have the negative feelings. My life isn't worth living. It would be better if I was dead. They feel worthless, depression, hopelessness. They're having suicidal thoughts. That, again, can come from any experience, but say this person was bullied or abused. Their mistreatment by others made them figure, okay, I guess my life isn't valuable if someone would treat me that way. But the Lord would say, your life was worth me dying for. That's how much your life means to me. I died for you. And I put you together in your mother's womb. I crafted you with intention. I, I made you on purpose the way you are. The gender that you are. The personality that you are. Who you are is intentional and good. See how I see. And that person can be transformed. Um, here's a super common ungodly belief. I'm unworthy. I'm not enough. I'm not enough for my ministry. I'm not enough for my kids. I'm just not enough. And so they're lacking confidence. They're lacking worth that's just kind of derailing them. They feel intimidated, discouraged. Guess what the truth is? God says, I am enough. You don't have to be. I am enough. I've got you covered. Here's an awesome quote that speaks beautiful truth to the common lie that I'm unworthy. Jesus perfectly measured up. He was perfectly worthy on my behalf. He accomplished what was impossible for me to accomplish so that I would be given standing that I did not or could not ever earn. I don't have to live as if I am on probation, still being evaluated. I have been accepted. If you are a Christian, you have been accepted. You have been called. You're not on probation. He is worthy on your behalf. It's so good. And we can live 
according to that belief deep in our gut instead of the lie that would hold you back always if you believe you're unworthy. Now, another thing to note here is that um, one traumatic experience or dynamic can often result in like a web of ungodly beliefs, like many. Um, and so let's say someone's experience was that all growing up, they were ignored by their dad. And so they could have a couple different ungodly beliefs. They could believe, well, I'm not worth paying attention to. I'm rejectable. They could also believe, I have no fatherly support. And there's probably many others, but those are just two I grabbed for the sake of our example. If someone believes they're not worth paying attention to, they're pretty discouraged, down. Maybe they're not taking good care of themselves because of it. Or if they believe I have no fatherly support, they feel pretty alone and like incomplete. And maybe they're isolating. But then the Lord can reveal to this person um, a picture. A lot of times when he's healing a memory, he'll show um, in your mind's eye a picture of the interaction. And you see God the Father, all of his focus on you, running down the hill, arms wide open. It's you! So happy, throw you up in the air and just giving you all of that love and attention. And, um, and he says, I am always here. You have support from me. And I have also provided you with other father figures in your life. <gasps> You're healed. Your eyes are open. Now you see, oh my goodness, I've got this father figure you've provided me with. And this other one who speaks into my life. It's a beautiful thing. Okay. So some keys to discovering your ungodly beliefs. And don't be like, I hope I don't have one. <laughs> because there are hundreds and thousands of ungodly beliefs. I mean, the enemy's like, pew, pew, pew. I mean, it's like, Okay, just, okay. <laughs> some keys to discovering your ungodly beliefs. N maybe you'll notice you some patterns in your life. Notice those unhelpful behaviors. Maybe you realize you've never had a good relationship with any boss, ever. Why is that? Or you don't work well with a team. You just don't. You're bad at it. Or you're overly dependent on others. You can't function well alone. These are unhelpful behaviors. Maybe you feel it's up to you to take care of everyone else. Maybe you and your spouse always argue when it comes to talking about time management or talking about money or talking about in-laws or whatever the topic is. We're doing fine. This topic comes up. We have a problem. Maybe you can't seem to progress spiritually. So notice some patterns and that can be clues in. Notice your upset feelings. What are, where are you reacting strongly? When, you know, when do you tend to freak out? When do you get really stressed? When do you get angry? When do you get really insecure or uncomfortable? These are clues into um, something that needs to be healed. Um, also, notice what comes out of your mouth. 
You will just speak your negative thought. You will speak your ungodly belief because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm so stupid. Nobody understands me. What was in your heart was revealed. It slipped out when your brain wasn't metering every word. A little quote from Bill's sermon. Anyone catch that? <laughs> okay, or um, a traumatic event. You can, you know, something happened to you. You can ask God, what did I begin to believe about you during that time? Or what did I begin to believe about myself or others or during that time? Is that really true? You know, God can actually heal your memories. This is the coolest thing because he's outside of time. So many people, like, they have this horrible thing that happens and they just try not to think about it. When they think about it, it just grips them again and it's terrible, terrible, terrible things have happened to people. God is outside of time. He can, when you're praying and you're talking to him, God, where were you? What were you doing? What was your heart towards me in that moment? What would you like to say towards me? I welcome you. And you can see where he is, what he was doing, and it heals it. And now you can't think about that memory anymore without him in it. And it, the, the grip of the pain is completely released. I mean, it still happened. You can remember it, but it's completely different. Okay, so the posture I want you to take, don't ignore or avoid your ungodly beliefs. Also, don't be overly obsessed with digging them up. Just be willing to go there when God brings one to your attention. This is what he does with his holy sieve. He scoops into your heart and brings one to the surface. And you start to kind of feel some pain because you see it there and you're like, oh, this is terrible. But really, it's like, oh, he just wants to deal with this, heal me so that I'm better off. So that's how I would like us to posture ourselves in this. Now, many people <clears throat> are actually out of touch with their hearts and they don't really know how they feel. Um, that was me. Uh, there was a time in my life I didn't know how I felt. I wasn't used to like paying attention to how I felt and then putting that into words. Um, I wasn't used to like expressing my emotions and what was going on. So if that's you, um, a helpful tip, spend time talking to a friend who's really good at this stuff. And, and that is really helpful. And you'll learn, you'll learn your emotions. You'll learn, oh, this is how I feel. And how can I verbalize that? And you'll stumble along and you'll get it and it'll be good and you'll be healthier. You'll have a healthier heart. Also pray, Lord, help me become aware of how I feel, aware of what my heart believes. And so let's pray this together right now. Stand up. Let's stretch our legs for a second. Ready, go. Lord, please awaken my awareness of my heart's condition. 
Give me understanding and insight into the state of my heart. I know you desire to make me fully whole. Please plow up the soil of my heart where it is hard packed. Till up the ground where I've believed lies for a long time and lived my life based on them. Heal the land of my heart. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So Scott and Stephanie Jones are um, pastors of New Day, South Carolina, and they actually introduced Bill and I to this whole topic of healing and restoration like 20 years ago, and I have just learned a lot from them, received a lot of ministry from them and others over the years, and I still look to them as mentors and learn about these topics still from them today, and in fact, some of what I'm sharing today came from them. Um, but what are, you, what are we going to do? We've got to um, first identify the negative thought, identify what the ungodly belief is. Search me, O oh God, is there any offensive way in me? And I'm going to actually take an, a real example. Do you know that almost everyone, any, I mean, we've met with hundreds of people over the years, everyone deals with a core fear, fear that they will be rejected or abandoned or they won't be loved. Just kind of a common one. Okay, so, and let's make it, a, how about let's make it apply to church. So let's say the negative thought is no one likes me. And you know what? I don't even know why I come to this church. No one says hi. And if they do, it's because they have to. But no one likes me. And people think, oh, it's you again. Who cares about you? Does anyone's mind have these kinds of thoughts? Or am I making this up? Okay. So the upset feelings might be you're driving in here on a sunny morning and you think, I wish I didn't come. I'm just going to go straight in. I'm going to sit down. I'm not even going to look at anyone. I'm going to get right out at the end and you just feel anxious, afraid of people, critical of yourself. The unhelpful behavior might be you isolate or avoid, or maybe you go in the opposite direction. You're quite controlling or dominating anything to cope with the upset feelings, right? First, we got to identify it. Second, stop the thought. Whatever we think about again and again, it writes a pathway in our brain. How many know that about brain science? The more we do, the wider the path, the faster we go through it next time. So if you're in your car and you're thinking, no one likes me, you say out loud, no, stop thinking that. You can even visualize a stop sign. This helps people. I'm not going to think that way anymore. Stop thinking that. So we're going to practice. I'm going to tell you a lie, and you say loud, no. Stop thinking that. Ready? Ready? Yeah. You're a fool. You are a failure. No, <laughs> awesome. So the Apostle Paul, <laughs> I want to get to this verse. Sorry, I got distracted. We, okay, he says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Okay, now if I am going to take Justin, my captive, I'm going to go and I'm going to get him, and I am going to, this is very tactile. I am, he is captive. This is not a passive thing. I, I can't passively make him my captive. Okay, you can sit down. Yeah. Okay, so you have got to um, say a no to that, to that argument that would set itself up in your thinking. No one likes you. No one wants to talk to you. You know, you made a fool out of yourself when you stepped out for God in that way. No. Good. That's an argument against who you really are, against who God made you to be, and you need to cast it down. I'm going to make this thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. We have to get aggressive about stopping unhelpful thinking. We can change the roadways of anger, fear, anxiety, criticism, whatever it may be. We need to commit to the process of changing the roadways in our brain and, but we can do it. We can change how wide the lanes are. Some of us have practiced being angry. We've practiced being afraid. We've practiced being insecure or rude or passive. And so when we get nudged, we just go right down that road, that common road. Well, it needs to become a less traveled road, not the highway. Okay, and last, we're going to replace the thought. We're going to adopt God's thought. What is his truth? So what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be a patient person? Do you want to be someone whose knee-jerk reaction is to believe the best about others instead of being suspicious about them? Okay, if you say, I want to be a compassionate person, we'll spend time thinking compassionate thoughts. Dig that trail in your brain. You want to be less anxious? Spend time thinking peaceful thoughts. These pathways will get stronger. The more we use them, we need to speak the truth in our hearts. So what might God say? What's his truth? To replace the thought for the person coming in here on a Sunday who thinks no one likes me. Yeah. What if he were to say to you, my son, my daughter, I have called you to this place and I have set you in this body that you would have compassion on others who struggle like you. I have put you here to strengthen this place. I have put you here to love and serve these brothers and sisters being my hands and feet to them. I have put you in this body to lay up for yourselves reward in heaven that will endure for all eternity. I have called you to hear my voice. I have called you to rise up. I've, called, I've called you to learn and grow here. I've called you to encourage this body. I've called you to be the examples that others can follow as they mature in me. I've called you to share the gospel. I've called you to heal the sick. I've called you to set the captives free. I have called you be full of joy, be full of peace, full of righteousness. I have called you to a different way of thinking. Finally, brethren, 
whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything be excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Adjusting your thinking just a little bit, adjust your feelings and it will adjust your behaviors and how you live. Justin, could you come back up and uh, play? I just want to lead us in a prayer here to close. But guys, there's no point in holding on to these. They're bondage, these lies, these arrows stuck in our gut from the enemy. Freedom is so worth it. The enemy wants you to think that they're normal. They're just a part of who you are. It's just who you are. And um, Or he wants you to feel a lot of shame about it. Hide it. Don't bring it in the light. Don't expose it before the Lord. Um, but our highest goal is to be more like Jesus. So let him sanctify you in your heart this morning. Would you just um, stand with me and close your eyes, please? And I'm just going to lead you through what it would look like to get some healing. So I want you to think about what is an unhelpful behavior in your life right now? Somewhere where you notice some anxious feelings. Maybe it's coming to church or something at work or something at home. And what is the upsetting feeling you get? Maybe you feel fearful, uptight, panicky, dread, hopeless. And what do you say to yourself when you feel that way? I have to be perfect. I have to be the strong one for everybody else. I won't succeed. What's the point of trying? And if something doesn't come to you right now, you can continue at home. But these are the steps you take. So repeat after me. Father God, here is my unhelpful behavior. And tell him what it is. Father God, here are my upset feelings. And tell him what you feel. And Father God, here is my ungodly belief. And if you were able to put it into words, just tell him what it is. Say, Father God, I see that these thoughts are not helping me. They don't line up with your word. Would you come and drop one of your thoughts into my head right now? And give me something new to think that will bring me new feelings and new behaviors. And just take a minute.
Father, I just pray right now that you'd come release over this room your thoughts, which are higher than our thoughts. We've turned to you and you are merciful. You are helpful and your sheep hear your voice. You know, the voice of the Lord is always full of love and truth. It, it sounds like you are loved. It sounds like you're fun to be with. It sounds like you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I am always with you. It sounds like I have not given you a spirit of fear. I am the Lord, your healer. You are worthy. I have chosen you. I see you. I have a plan for you. There is hope. There is a way forward. You can change. You are lovable. You are strong in me. I am for you. I believe in you. I am trustworthy. Well, Father, thank you for your thoughts towards us, the righteous, true thoughts. I just want to pray for everyone here that as they go out from here today, that your thoughts would just keep falling into their minds and hearts and there would be lasting change and renewed feelings and new behaviors as a their result of their encounter with you today. Thank you, Father, for your amazing love, amazing grace, and amazing healing. In Jesus' name, amen.